Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome to a very special episode, our 30th edition of Games of Film. It's our 30th anniversary, Rory. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we've been doing this for 30 years. 30 years. That's a lie. Would that be, what, 1989? I think so. Gosh, what were podcasts like in 1989? Well, we wouldn't have had very many games on film to talk about at that point. Would it just be Tron? Talking about Tron all the time. Talking about Tron. Talking Tron. That's our spin-off podcast. Speaking of Tron, um, we were recently at EGX Resed. Ah. That's sort of a Tron reference, I suppose. So what is EGX Resed? EGX Resed is a game show with... Not game show. <laughs> Come on down. It's a games show which is hosted every year in London at the Tobacco Dock and... It is one of the shows uh, run by EGX, but this one is more indie games focused. It's more about uh, smaller developer teams rather than the big AAA blockbuster titles that the main show uh, usually involves. Mm. I mean, there was definitely a presence from uh, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, but they had um, a comparatively smaller space when you compared to the uh, the indie room, which was a uh... It's like being in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, though to my knowledge, no children were uh, turned into hard candies and things. <laughs> did he, did? he didn't get turned into a hard candy. Big soft one. There's, a, there's room for a sequel, a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory sequel. The children are the candy. The children are the candy. And before you write in, I was aware there's the Great Glass Elevator. I'm talking about another sequel. But yeah, I was blown away by EGX Res. I actually went on two days and there was... And I'm glad I did, because there's just so much to see. What were your favourite games you played? Uh, my top picks. Well, I mean, although we mentioned how Nintendo didn't have a, a much of a massive presence, I did like the Untitled Goose game, which is coming out on the Switch. Yeah, that was a favourite of mine too. I mean, it's everything you want. It's, it's, it's pestering a gardener. It's throwing sandwiches into lakes. I mean, it's, it's much what I do in my day-to-day life, to be honest. But I just really enjoyed playing it in the games. It's always a frustration of mine when I'm playing a driving game and there isn't a button where you can honk. But mm. luckily in this game, as you are a goose, there is a specific button dedicated to honking. And there's much enjoyment to be had just by honking at any opportunity possible it's quite fun in a nutshell it's basically peter rabbit sneaking into a garden except you're a goose and yes it's you, we, if you have a crowd of people watching you play and you're foiled by a gardener it's just funny to just honk at his face and flap off yeah <laughs> in a huff yeah and uh another game i played i can't remember the title but i got to play a bit of virtual reality i got to be a, a dragon what else gosh the thing is with these shows is that I don't really tend to play too many games. I sort of look around and see what other people are playing and I can get the gist. 
I think with these indie shows, you can find more games which are more, maybe you don't know the mechanics behind it, so it's worth playing, and some of the left field creations and individual things. I know uh, you played Octopad, which was mm. someone had made a version of a, of a NES playing stuff like Super Mario Brothers and Tetris, but uh, each person out of eight players only had control of one button, so you had to work together in order to complete a level. Yeah, I was holding a Nintendo controller, NES controller, with just the B button, and I was drunk with power. <laughs> uh, control of both speed and fireballs, and we didn't really get past the midway point of level one. Yes, yeah. It was quite tricky. Uh, I also enjoyed playing Cake Bash, which we played together. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a multiplayer party game Smash with a little Brothers. bit of Smash Brothers, but with different objectives, but you're playing as adorable cakes. Yeah. And Rad, which was a post-apocalyptic neon adventure exploration game with mutants, and it had a very cool uh, vibe and look to it. You also got to meet the legend that is John Romero of uh, Doom, Quake and More fame. Yes. That was a highlight. That was the first thing we did on the day, actually. He was doing a talk about his life in games, and it was really fascinating hearing him because he was there. He's been in the games industry for about four decades. So hearing his experiences and the games that he encountered, the technology that was being developed, and charting that against his own creations, such as Wolfenstein and and Doom and Quake. So... It was, yeah, it was really interesting just hearing all about their technological advances mm. and how forward thinking they were at the time with a lot of the things they did. And he was just super duper friendly. I had to sort of, we were the last he got to talk to and um, I ended up kind of shooing him away because he had, to, <laughs> he had a, an interview to go to and I thought, am I actually telling John Romero to fuck off? <laughs> but, <laughs> but in sh- the nicest possible way because he just had so much time yeah, for, everyone. for us and for fans and he was still trying to finish the conversation yeah. with us as he was being dragged away so so um in case you're wondering did we ask him about any upcoming or previous doom movies no <laughs> didn't get a chance no i guess actually just to wrap up the egx conversation i was just blown away by how nice everyone was i think um we hear a lot of the negatives of gaming culture and certainly there are but um i think there's assholes in every field i suppose walk of life walk of life and um we were just gathering around games and people we never met before would dip in join the game kick our asses (laughs) and and go away but it was a great positive positive uh show and and none more apparent than in our live games on film episode yeah it was really nice to be at somewhere where there was, there was so much creativity and imagination in how you tell stories as well. I played a lot of charming games with a very creative way of telling stories. And in a way, I felt almost like a charlatan for being there, trying to put cinema, insert cinema into EGX, because cinema has been around for a while. And, and I think there is a strong argument to be made sometimes that uh, why should games become films? I mean, I think we do this podcast because... It's fun. It's fun to see something being adapted. Uh, Yeah, it was a very interesting show to pose the question, what games would you like to be turned into films? Yes, we were 
mainly at EGX Res because we were taking part in the lineup of the Fringe Theatre and we were hosting a live episode of the podcast and you're going to listen to a recording of that imminently. But the question that we posed was which games we'd like to see turned into films, what problems that might face in doing so. We suggested cast and crew and we also invited the audience to submit their own pitches to us. That's pitches with a T in the middle, not pictures. Yes. It didn't turn into like Tony Hart, so that would have been quite nice. Well, we also, in this recording, we did have a screen which had some Photoshop rush jobs mm-hmm. that we had composed to maybe sell our pictures to the audience. So we'll probably be sharing those on our social media channels as uh, after this episode pops yeah. up. If, if you hear us make reference to pictures and slides, just imagine a lot more effort went into them <laughs> than they than it actually ends up looking like. But it was a very enjoyable hour. Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, we had a nicer group of people there with their ideas. They got into it. And um, we had, I guess, video game movie fans in there because I think each one of their ideas I would love to see on the big screen. It did feel a little bit like not an Alcoholics Anonymous, but some sort of group therapy session yeah. where we all were secretly admitting, actually, we quite like video game movies. Please don't tell anyone. Exactly. But no, tell everyone. Tell everyone that we love video game movies, because we know you do too. Yep. Don't have any shame. We (laughs) certainly don't. No. So just to queue up this recording, uh, what you're about to hear is recorded live from the Fringe Theatre at EGX Res 2019, recorded on the 4th of April. That's the Thursday (laughs) at uh, 4pm. Sorry, I'm just like time and a place being very precise. You don't want to time, don't want to date this podcast, but this was recorded at 4 p.m. on 4th <laughs> of the 4th, 19. Yes. Enjoy this live edition of Games on Film, and we'll be back afterwards for a little debrief. Well, hello. Thank you for coming to see us at the EGX Res. This is the Games on Film podcast, the podcast celebrating movies based on video games. Uh, I'm Harry. I'm Rory. And uh, if you can't tell from our amazing likeness, we are brothers. We are like uh, Mario and Luigi, uh, Ryu and Ken. Yeah, well, we're like the we're like the, <laughs> like, the right like the Mario Brothers, but like the Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo exactly. versions I, thereof. I can live with that. I'm fairly. I'm sort of Bob Hoskins' build. I'm sort of getting there. Not current build, obviously. R.I.P. Yes, R.I.P. Bob Hoskins. <laughs> um, but today um, we're doing something a little bit different. Um, on our regular show, we like to uh, analyze and scrutinize uh, and celebrate a movie, a particular movie based on a video game, but today we uh, need your suggestions. We are looking for pitches for video game movies. We um, acknowledge that they're not always the most well-loved movies, but we think the tide is turning. We think that maybe this year, maybe Detective Pikachu will be the billion video game movie but maybe in this room we've got people who've 
been watching those Street Fighter movies, watching those Mortal Kombats and thinking, oh, I can do that. I can, I can pitch Hollywood a video game movie. So I want you to keep thinking about it and then uh, we'll get back to you. Because what we're doing first is um, we are pitching video game movies uh, to each other. So um, we'll be doing that in just a minute. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea is, is why we started the podcast was because there was, in the past, well, last year, we've been doing this for about a year. Just and, over a year. And so we started it because there was a, well, not necessarily a glut that suggests quite a lot, but... A creep. Yeah, there, <laughs> there were a few. Uh, so last year, we had Rampage, we had Tomb Raider, mm -hmm. we also had video game adjacent... Movies like Ready Player One. Yeah, um, Castlevania and the old Netflix. Yeah, Castlevania series. And, and this year we've got Detective Pikachu coming out. We've yes. got Angry Birds Movie 2, yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm -hmm. And, and any yeah. one of them could be amazing. So watch the Space Oscars next year. But shall we... Oh, and I think... Did we mention there's prizes? Yes, if you have an idea for a video game movie or even a video game movie that exists but you think you could do a better job or if you've got an idea for a video game that you think would make a good either animation or TV series, then let us know and uh, you could uh, walk away ooh, with a Poundland... Uh, Poundland special Poundland deal. special. We got we've them got, an offer. Ooh, uh, we've got pound. Resident Evil Apocalypse. Ooh. That's the first and last time that it's ever got a woo. Yeah. Um, Resident, Resident Evil, Evil 1. 1. Uh, there, there's more than Resident Evil in here, is, I, is, I assure you. There? Oh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Need, Need for Speed. speed. Need for woo. Speed. Woo. So, you know. We've actually reviewed all those three on the podcast, so if you like what you hear, you can listen to our actual thoughts on those. But shall we go to our first pitch? Yes. Go to our first pitch. We're going to start big. We're going to start strong, I hope. We're going to start with... The Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Um, this is my pitch. Um, I mean, it's kind of a good place to do this show when we're talking about video game movies and video game narratives because um, at EGX Res, I've seen so many interesting ways of, of narratives themselves. And um, so I feel that this game has a good story. I think this game... Uh, is one of a franchise, of course, but uh, I think a lot of people my age, they, that was the first 3D Zelda and the first Zelda game that they were really gripped by the story because um, I think the one before that was A Link to the Past, wasn't it? And it's a pretty good story. It's mostly told to you by a wizard who's uh, psychically telling you plots. <laughs> but this one starts with you know, the cinematics and all that jazz. And, and of course, the 3D backgrounds, and 3D arenas, the dungeons give, uh, I think, will hit you in the nostalgia feels, I think. Um, and also, of course, the perennial question of adapting Zelda, of course, is who would play Link or whoever you name your character. I think I named my character uh, Dammit recently. It just made everyone in Hyrule sound incredibly sweary. Um, <laughs> I think for this, we're going to go for this fella, for Link. He, uh, if you recognize him from Game of Thrones, he's it's Jojen Reed, but he's played by the wonderful actor, kind of evocative-looking actor, um, Thomas Brody... Sangster. Sangster, that's the one. On the podcast, he's the one who knows all the names. Um, yeah, and... 
he's got that look, doesn't he? He's got that sort of, I'm not just going for Games of Thrones people, spoilers, another Game of Thrones person shows up in a little bit. But um, another question is like, would you have Link talk? Would you have Link, because uh, he doesn't traditionally talk in the games, bar the odd, Rah! does he? So I'm thinking the director for this movie could be the guy who did um, the, the last two Planet of the Apes movies, Matt Reeves, because okay. he's a guy who knows how to tell a story with a gorilla, and they don't t commonly talk, and in the films they sort of talk just a little bit in the second and third films, so I thought, maybe keep Link quiet, maybe make that part of his character. I think that's, that's an issue that a lot of games have, is a problem of like a silent protagonist. Mm. Um, uh, it, I sort it, of did like, like Link, did I? Mm. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but that's, I mean, the thing is, is that something like, um, say, Last of Us, where the characters are fully realized, and a lot of that is through dialogue, mm. um, that's why it seems maybe unnecessary to make a movie adaptation of that, because you get so much out of the character, whereas actually a silent protagonist, you can then, I don't know, place more character on top of mm, them and make it an easier... You know, because then you won't complain about, oh, it doesn't adhere to the source material necessarily because, you know, they didn't say anything in the actual games. I think famously Shigeru Miyamoto actually named the character Link because he was meant to be your sort of invisible link to the game. So that's a good point, Rory. Well done. Thank you. Um, who would play Zelda, though? The series is not called The Legend of Link. It's The Legend of Zelda. Uh, that is young Link, though. You'll skip that. We'll go on to her. I'm thinking... Uh, the actress, is it Showers? Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan, okay. I'll try and pronounce one of these names eventually. Now, I recently saw her in um, Mary, Queen of Scots, playing a princess. I've managed to get a bit of uh, synergy here with the colour of the dresses on the screens. And, um, but I thought she's a very good actress. And I'd very much like to see Zelda with her Irish accent. I think that would maybe throw uh, expectations of the audience. And I think she might play off, well off, with um, the uh, Jojen Reed type fella. But uh, we... Um, Skipped over this chap, I like the picture here. The little kid from, is it Jurassic World? And he's also in Iron Man 3, can play young Link. Because why I really like the idea of having uh, an Ocarina of Time movie is that you have that sort of Shazam-style young old type thing. And I think I'd love to see a fantasy movie where uh, little Link goes to the, the big baddie and says, hang on one minute. And then he goes around the corner, he plays his little, uh, his little flute, and he's an adult again. It's an ocarina. Oh, well, technically it's a flute, I guess. It's not called the flute of time, is it? It's called the ocarina of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the person, obviously the villain would have to wait there for seven years whereas he grew up, because that's how it works. It's not like Shazam in that respect. But I don't know. I think you can have a bit of fun with the, the time travel element. But you recognize this guy. I told you there's going to be some Game of Thrones. I thought to play Ganon, the King of Thieves, we can have Aquaman himself, Jason Mamoa, I pronounced that right. I get the nods, the silent nod. And, you know, it's kind of obvious here because Ganon is the leader of a group of thieves and uh, in Game of Thrones, Jason Mamoa played the leader of a band of, uh, is it called the Kalasar? The Dothraki, that's the one. Uh, just to help your imagination, I whipped up a little picture of Jason Mamoa with the old green skin. Uh, it took me about one minute with an app. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think in... He's a man of few words in Game of Thrones, but in 
in Aquaman in more recent films. He, he's, he's got a big character, hasn't he? He's a talkative chap. So you can have a bit of a charming, charming fella being Ganondorf. And I need to check if this is my luck. Oh, now I've got a treat. For the crucial role of Tingle, the uh, map-making, romper-suit-wearing, wannabe elf. I thought, not her, Ch no, uh, Charlie Day. We want to see Charlie Day in a romper suit, don't we? With some underpants on. Doesn't he dress up as like, what is the green goblin thingy and it's always sunny in Philadelphia and like one of those green, you know, all in one suits? I should have found that picture, but oh, okay. I was too obsessed with memes. Obviously, I get distracted with memes when I should be doing what I'm meant to be doing. Um, we did see a few other characters, but I think I've talked about The Legend of Zelda for a bit too long now. If you've just joined us, we are looking for video game movie pictures. So if you've ever wanted to see your favorite video game on a big screen, uh, we'd like to hear from you, and you might be getting a special Poundland prize later. Um, I think I'll pass the little clicker over to you now. And uh, you've got a video game movie pitch for me, haven't you? Uh, yes, so I've decided to go for a video game which almost made it to the big screen, mm -hmm. but did not quite. But I'd like to talk a little bit about that. So I'd like to talk about Bioshock Ooh. as my pitch for, a, for a, a video game to be turned into a movie. So um, it was in development for some time, and it was... Um, director Gore Verbinski, mm -hmm. who was leading the project, and it got to about eight weeks before shooting, before it was uh, cancelled. Were they like building sets They as were well? already, yeah, they were starting to build sets, they had scripts, they had, they you know, good to go. It. They could have just filmed at the Sea Life Center. Yeah, they could have done, that would have um, saved a lot of time. Mm. Actually, I think there is some concept art, which was made, which you can find online, um, which shows a little bit how they were going to you know, replicate the world of Bioshock on the big screen. And I think that's kind of why I'd like to see it, because um, a lot of video game movies suffer from the fact that the games themselves are very much heavily influenced by cinema. Mm. And so you end up with a lot of fighting, mo uh, like fighting games turn into kung fu movies, and in a way they, it becomes a bit sort of cyclical, you know, it's yeah, like I mean, the snake I'll, biting its own tail. Yeah, I'd like to see a Metroid movie myself, but it's why not just watch an Aliens movie? Yeah, potentially, though someone might have an idea for a Metroid movie and sell mm. that. Um, but with Bioshock, I think it does have its influences, uh, but it's quite original in putting those all together, and it's sort of a world you don't really see mm. on the on the big screen. And there's some oh, more. God. That makes me terrified just looking at this. Where he just put up a picture of what they call big daddies. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that was terrifying. I want to be terrified in the cinema. I think. I yeah. Is that daddy coming to get me <laughs> in <laughs> the, the cinema? But that's the thing is that um, studios didn't really have faith in a project that was potentially going to be a lot of money, but also R-rated. Mm. Um, so that's a little bit why the pod was pulled, because they had to make too many compromises. It was either don't make it R-rated or have less budget. Mm. Kind of need both. Yeah, famously, Mortal Kombat. One of, who's a Mortal Kombat fan here? Video game movie? Yeah. Well... <laughs> You're not so sure, but is that because there's not enough violence in it, perhaps? It's not too bloody enough, or is it just badly acted and poorly made? I think the cheese adds to the experience, though. <laughs> the, cheese I, exactly. adds to, the cheese adds to the experience. Embrace the cheese. That's why we did this <laughs> podcast. 
Um, so you're saying that Gore Verbinski, he, he wanted to go for the hard R, the 18-rated movie. Well, I, I think it's just, it kind of, you can't make the movie without that. It doesn't necessarily need to be so gratuitous, but mm. there's some very dark themes uh, yeah, in child the Child murder film. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, okay, stuff yeah, like you that. Don't, you don't tend to, I, don't, I, I doubt child murder is going to feature heavily in Detective Pikachu, but it's not come out yet. So I, I don't, don't know. know. Potential spoilers for Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I think so. Um, so in terms of... Uh, I, I'd still like to see his version of, of Bioshock in mm. a way because um, in a, uh, he, he has an obsession with water as a director. So he made the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh, yeah, there's water in that. He yeah. made... Uh, Rango was all about water. Oh, yeah. You know, Rango's being withheld. Um, mm -hmm. uh, even a classic, like, mouse hunt... Uh, starts off with a lot of rainfall and things, and the ring, obviously, that has lots of water. But uh, it seems like with he did a cure for wellness recently. That was a film of his, and in a way, that's him. It seems working out his sort of Bioshockness on the big screen. Mm. If you see that film, he's ringing it out. He's ringing it <laughs> out indeed. Um, there's a lot of. Uh, it's not like an exact one for one or you know adaptation. I mean, you kind of maybe have to look for the similarities between Bioshock and this. But if, if you have an interest in Bioshock and what could have been, I, I recommend giving it a watch because it has some sort of elements, like in Bioshock, there's these sort of sea slug creatures, which mm -hmm. are where Adam comes from, this sort of magical property. And uh, in this, it's kind of to do with the water and eels and all this sort of things. And uh, it's kind of, you can sort of there's this, mm. I don't know, kind of washed out feel to it. It's, it's very kind of claustrophobic and obviously you've got all these sort of watery elements attached to it and sinister plots and mysteries and things. So um, it's definitely him kind of, I don't know, working out some Bioshock-related stuff. But in terms of other directors, there's, um, I don't know, there's maybe like Denis Villeneuve. Um, Denis I know Villeneuve. there was in the WikiLeaks as well, there was... Um, Speaking of water. Some suggestion, <laughs> uh, Leaks. Um, there was, I think Ryan Gosling was interested in the project. There was some like email where he was like, let me know about what Bioshock is happening and yeah, stuff from his sickly, agent. doesn't he? Um, and, but also maybe someone like Alex Garland as well, mm -hmm. you know, whether writing or directing. So I think there's some interesting people who could do something with, with the Bioshock movie. It feels like one of these projects which has been sort of on on the in development hell for so long but it might just make it i think it might take another bioshock film to to happen to yeah. make that happen yeah. anyway um I, but like, I guess something like going back to the sort of silent protagonist and things something mm. like bioshock infinite might be an easier adaptation just in terms of that you have sort of two more talkative characters mm, at the at the center of it, but I don't know. I, I kind of just like the world of Rapture just a little bit more, so that's what I'd like to see. Would you kindly hand that over to me? Let's see what you. you did there. There's a little bit of an Easter egg there, a bit of a Bioshock Easter egg. Anyway, next pitch again. Going back Nintendo. I am a Nintendo kid. Going back to something recognizable. I think I'm gonna do a movie pitch. If I was given a million pounds, how much are films these days? How yes, much are it, all exactly films? one million pounds. One million pounds to make. Uh, Donkey Kong, ladies and gentlemen. Donkey Kong. I'm thinking that because Detective Pikachu, I keep talking about this film, but you can tell I'm really excited. Detective Pikachu, you wouldn't think the first live-action Pokemon movie would be based on, on Detective Pikachu, on sort of a spin-off. So I thought, 
well, Nintendo are doing an, an animated Mario movie in a couple of years. What about doing a sort of realistic version of what would happen if a carpenter bought uh, a rescue gorilla, I'm thinking. Um, it's weird, there's, there's a famous mistranslation, apparently. According to uh, Wikipedia, it did say citation needed, but according to Wikipedia, it said that Mario wasn't intended to be uh, the, the abusive owner of Donkey Kong. But screw it, I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna say that Mario, at the time known as Jumpman, he has fallen on hard times a bit. He's, well, he's with a woman way out of his league, Pauline, and he knows that she loves animals. So he thinks, I'm gonna get the biggest animal I can think of or get my hands on on a carpenter's wage. So he decides to get uh, a gorilla off the black market, I think. I think there's going to be something a little bit wrong with this gorilla, and he's going to install it in the motorhome, and Pauline's going to get home, and hilarity ensues. I say hilarity. It might be... It's a bit of a, a line you have to, to do, to, to walk, when you've got sort of illegal potential animal cruelty. So um, anyway, I've got a cast, though, just like just like before, with my, uh, for the protagonist, Jumpman, I'm gonna stick with Jumpman, I think. I thought, well, what about John C. Riley? Because I think he's got the ability to be goofy, but also kind of tragic. He's got a bit of a, a hangdog expression, and I'd like to have him at the end of his tether. He hasn't got much money left, but he's gonna spend that money on a gorilla. <laughs> and, um, to, to, be, to play his, uh, not princess, Pauline, just a regular Pauline, I've got, um, she, I always get her name wrong, is it Elizabeth Debicki? Debicki, that's the one. She's been seen in, uh, I think, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, being the, playing the big gold lady. Uh, she's also been in uh, Widows as well. I think she's, she's, she's kind of a chameleon, but we'd want this character not to be a damsel of distress. She would be very much... Um, uh, what, the Naomi Watts in King Kong, the, um, what's the name of the character in King Kong? The lady in King Kong. You used to be a repository of King Kong knowledge, but you're dried up, now you're on stage. <laughs> but anyway, she is, um, I think, she could very much, because she's basically a model as well, and she, she's like your typical uh, tall, blonde, pretty lady, I think that to see them together, to see her coming home thinking, why did you buy a gorilla? would be quite a funny thing to see. Now, we're living in an age of mocap. We're living in an age of um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. We're in Rampage from last year, where we had a, a CGI gorilla, George. But we've always seen really talented people play mocap gorillas. And I'd like to see someone just not, should never be let near a mocap studio. So I've gone for Tommy Wizzo to play Donkey Kong. If you, who knows Tommy Wiseau? Hands up. Most people. That's You're in the great. right place. I'm in the right place. People, the Room and other films, but mostly The Room. Um, I just, see, the line I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do this heightened reality thing where I want to be, I want the world to be kind of as real as possible, but what happens in it, totally bizarre. So I'd like to see a man I'd like to see a gorilla with all the mannerisms of Tommy Wiseau tum stumbling around a mocap studio and implant that into my realistic 
King Kong, uh, Donkey Kong movie. Um, in terms of the plot, <laughs> probably as much as the game, but I think, um, I think the name Jumpman is quite, is quite powerful. Rather than just called Jumpman one word, it could be Jumpman. He could, he could be taking life's leap, and he realizes his mistake, and he has to go out there and save the day, and, and then probably go to jail for buying that gorilla. Um, I think this might be my last slide. Shall we see? Let's, let's do the change. Do the changeover. This is the last of our movie pitches, and then we, we're going to get a bit of a movie pitch or two from you guys. Well, speaking of... Oh, um, I realize I have got one more slide. Yes. Um, we just move on to yours, so just skip, skip a slide. <laughs> That's, uh, I guess, yeah. If we wanted to go more realistic, we'd have <laughs> the actual guy who played George from Rampage playing Donkey Kong. But I'm, I'm rather enamored of my Tommy Wiseau idea. As, well, speaking of kind of destruction, uh, the next pitch I'm going to do, it's kind of, well, I'm, if someone made a movie of it, it wouldn't be out of name recognition because it's an obscure PS1 Japanese-only game which I haven't even played, but I like the idea of it. I'm sure one of the people here would have played it. Does anyone know Hakayo, King of Crusher? No, okay. let, let, us, let, let us, us know. Let us take you on a journey. Because he told me about this, and I really wanted to see it after the end of it. So it's, it's kind of a rage emup. It's mm -hmm. a rage simulator. You play like an average Joe who um, gets... <laughs> that's you. Um, you play an average sort of salary man who gets bitten by a lizard... No, by a mutant space beetle. Yes, you do who then sort of whispers into your ear about you should sort of destroy all the things that are holding you back, th free yourself from the shackles mm. of modern existence and life. So uh, what he does is he starts beating up uh, vending machines. Yeah. Um, so you control this character and you start smashing up you know, bits and pieces around the house. You get fired from your job and then you start smashing up the office. Tale as old as time. Yeah. Uh, and then as you get angrier and angrier, you kind of morph into some sort of lizard bug creature and start growing and growing in size. Uh, inevitably, as you do, you sprout wings and fly to New York. Mm -hmm. And um, spoilers for Hakaio, King of Crusher, uh, the final battle is between a sentient Statue of Liberty firing lightning from uh, the Statue of Liberty's torch. So it's like the end of Ghostbusters 2. A little bit. And... and to make it perfect, of course, the Statue of Liberty, she speaks French. So, Well, I mean, that, that tracks, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly, as, as she would. So it'd be sort of like the Incredible Hulk, but makes you cry at the end. But you're laughing as well. Sort of, you're yeah. crying and you're laughing. Well, um, speaking of words, there was like a YouTube comment at the bottom of this playthrough. Um, True Misto says, a genius meditation on the urge to lash out and destroy society in the name of freedom when we feel constrained by it. Rather than wholly celebrating this urge, however, the game also remembers that some of the same things that seem to bind us can also be a source of joy and fulfillment. Depending on your reading, the main character is himself a victim of circumstance, a villain, or perhaps an anti-hero. Very complex, numerous layers of meaning. I thought he just got bitten by a bug. To which D&D Boy 13 <laughs> replies... Also, he was bit by a bug from space. He told him to crush things, and he did, and he turned into a Godzilla and was shit-taught by the Statue of Liberty, and they fought. So really just amazing all the way down. Yeah, I remember writing that now, yeah. 
so yeah, so that's Hakai or King of Crusher. In terms of how I want it to be, um, there's this directing team called Daniels. Mm. Uh, they did a film called Swiss Army Man in which Daniel Radcliffe plays a farting corpse. Uh, I recommend it, but I also recommend checking out some of their other stuff because what they do is they use sort of lo-fi practical effects mixed with stuff like... Um, after Effects and post-production software. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of Michel Gondry-esque in a way, but he makes more, I guess, sort of fantastical, practical stuff, and they try and make things look more real, I suppose. So they also did the Turn Down For What music video. Um, this is a good short called Pockets, in which um, someone has control of all the world's pockets. Um, a terrifying prospect. A terrifying prospect. I check my um, pockets whenever I put I, I almost sort of pitched them as doing like a Katamari Damacy movie because I think they could just make the idea of all these clumps of things real. Uh, this is from another short of theirs called Interesting Ball, which is a, a, a man made out of several other men. Ooh. Yeah, so anyway, they're, they're interesting directors and I think they could pull off like a kind of strange, weird, comedic kaiju... Horror film. Horror, psychological drama with a Statue of Liberty yeah. at the end. I mean, the graphics for that PlayStation game didn't seem too sharp, so I'd rather see a movie than a, than a game at this point, I think. Yeah. I mean, the whole playthrough only lasted like an hour and 40 minutes, so... Oh, and he it's got mainly, angry very quickly, didn't he? It's mainly just someone kicking a vending machine for most of it. You can do that in your own office, though. Yeah, but you might get fired. You might get fired, I suppose. Right. Um, is that our last... That's well, we could just quickly run. Yeah, pitch. should we run through a couple of quick? Oh yeah. Um, out of interest, how many of you guys out there have a video game movie you'd like to talk about? We got a couple. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Oh, we got a few. So we just got some mini, some mini pictures, which we'll speed through before we get onto you guys. I think I spent far too long doing this terrible Photoshop of a Micro Machines movie. I'm thinking more like. Ant-Man meets Fast and the Furious. I'm um, thinking maybe it's set in a world where miniaturization is, is owned by loads of people, and people do it for car racing. I've got a, a, like a big foot car driving down the sausage there. Um, <laughs> what about your mini pitch? Uh, yeah, well, I, I thought maybe F-Zero. Um, just something kind of mad and gaudy and ridiculous, sort of, I guess, when you have like uh, I don't know, intergalactic um, racing in space. You could have a sort of speed racer meets Guardians of the Galaxy style mm -hmm. vibe to it. But I was thinking uh, in terms of director... Um, oh, yeah, now there was an F-Zero anime series called F-Zero Legend of Captain Falcon or, or um, uh, GP Legend, and they did a spin-off game based on that. So there is sort of past form of having like F-Zero in a kind of narrative... Uh, structure, um, but I was thinking more someone along the lines of Takashi Miike, who just um, this is a, from Yakuza Apocalypse, which is a guy in a frog suit kicking someone in the face. Um, he's done lots of kind of manga and anime adaptations as well. So he recently did a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure movie uh, and a Phoenix Wright movie, of course. So um, of course, of course, naturally. Um, so I feel like he's. I mean, he makes usually a couple of films a year. He's made over 100 movies. I'm sure he can squeeze something into a schedule which will have something, you know, like a rainbow spectacle of people driving very fast cars. I mean, he probably has a stack of scripts, and if you slipped a script in there, he'd probably end up making it and forgetting that you never said yes to it. So yeah, 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 yeah. That would be useful. Um, is that... Oh, right. 
We are now in Hollywood. An, an alternate version of Hollywood. Yes, Woo! pink sky. So um, at the back of the uh, auditorium here, we've got uh, the lovely Joe, who's got a roving microphone. And so we imagine that we are big-time Hollywood movie producers. Imagine really hard. And uh, if you've got a movie that you'd like to see, if you have a video game you'd like to see turned into a movie, please let us know. So um, what we want to hear is your name, We'd like to hear what your favorite video game movie is as well. That would be useful to know. And then what you would like to see turned into a film. So who's first? I think I'll go second. You'll go second. There's somebody at the back, though, who put the hand up right away. Can I, um, can I go first? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So set first, second, third. Here we go. Oh, sorry. Hi, my name's Joe. I think you already yeah. knew that bit. <laughs> Hi, Joe. A bit obscure. Yeah. Heavy Rain, or I think it was... Um, Heavy rain over here, um, Fahrenheit. Oh, no, Fahrenheit, oh, well, yeah, no, Fahrenheit's a different game, right? Uh, no, Fahrenheit, yeah. So yeah. I smell crossover, a heavy rain paradigm crossover. Yeah. But no, you're thinking of heavy rain, is that right? Or Fahrenheit. Which it's one would Fahrenheit you like to see? All oh, right, you'd like to see sort of I think, Fahrenheit. I, think, I thought there was an alternative name, but definitely. Fahrenheit. Okay, okay. That so you played freaky kind of illusiony mm. special effects field day. So, so like, because it's sort of like psychological horror kind of feel, do, do you have an idea of like who would maybe direct it or like similar movies and things like that? Like someone could make the most of it? I mean, I haven't got much for it. Definitely a horror. Definitely I mean, a horror. What, mm -hmm. what films are similar in tone to Fahrenheit? Um, my mind goes to David Fincher, but then I've not played Fahrenheit, so mm. I don't know. Yeah, he, he might be a good shout, actually. Of course, we, I mean, that's got a very, from what I hear, it's, it's very involved plot-wise. Yeah. And it's obviously quite a recent game. So um, do you think there's value bringing a, narrative, a very heavily narrative-y game to the big screen? Would you be happy to see it performed by, by actual actors? Or what do you think? I think if it was another right way, like I'm, I'm talking like paranormal activity, like do some possible, a different different plots. Yeah, then. like therapy required after kind oh, of. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So like, I mean, you go back if you watch the X Files nowadays, you remember the X Files being like crap your pants scary, and now when you watch it, you think it's it's all right. <laughs> it's, it's, so you'd love to, this would be the new Fahrenheit where you'd be absolutely terrified at the end of it. Brilliant. Well, I think you might get a pound and prize a little bit later. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, who's next? Yeah, the chap at the back. Uh, what, was your, what was your name, sir? Matthew. Matthew, brilliant. Hi, Matthew. Um, just on that, that Fahrenheit idea would make a great sort of 10-part series on Netflix or something. Mm. That would be sick, because you can really flesh that out then. Um, my favourite video game film is, now, don't beat me up, is the Super Mario Brothers film. I have real nostalgia <sighs> for that. No, no, I think no, it's really? actually much better than people make out. The best adaptation mm -hmm. for me is probably Assassin's Creed. It's ropey, but it at least takes the source material seriously. It feels like it, doesn't it? It feels yeah, like a. I actual just think it's, it, was, it, was a, it was like a drama, and mm. I liked that. I didn't like the animus sections as much, but the, the film as a whole was a good. And it had like amazing sort of talent behind it. Mac or yeah, yeah. Like the people attached was, I mean, Fassbender's mm. great with whatever he does, and also the director was very good. Cool. But in terms of my pitch. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell how uh, how the plot might go, but I'd like to see a splicing between uh, Little Nightmares, yeah, uh -huh, yeah, a PS4 game that came out a year or so, a couple of years ago, maybe. Mm. Little Nightmares with the cast of like a child ensemble like Annie, 
musical. Okay. But in the style of Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, so, so like a musical. A musical, um, but in Little Nightmares, I, I mean, I, I've seen it, but I haven't played it. But is, that, is there musical elements embedded to it? Or there, you just want to make not, a musical adaptation? There is not, but you play as a young, a young child. Mm. It's, it's kind of set within a nightmare. It's basically everything that scared you as a child in a video game. Uh-huh, so okay, big yeah. humans, big, everything's big, overblown. Humans are kind nice. of eating children on this kind of this ship that, that these kind of gluttonous characters go to. I mean, the, um, yeah. I mean, so the, the great sadness we have doing this podcast is um, there's not many video game movie musicals. No. There's like, <laughs> I think Ralph Breaks the Internet, we did uh, not when it came out, and there's like one song in it, but boy howdy, I'd love to see a video game movie musical yeah. um, so what would the title be do you think be little nightmares the mu- musical the musical versus <laughs> the musical the, the movie musical. <laughs> yeah. the video game as, musical. as for a director i don't know i mean maybe tim burton would be great because it's very much up his sort mm. of tone yeah but the, the guy who did the lame is adaptation a couple a few years ago uh, yeah. tom hooper Cats at the moment yeah tom hooper so he, yeah. Yeah, yeah so he's adapting a lot of musicals for film um, I, I think he'd be that good, would be cool yeah. Nice one, cheers. Yeah. Um, next up, we've got the, the chap here in the, in the grey hoodie. Hello, what's your name, sir? Uh, Jay. Jay, do you have a favourite video game movie? My favourite video game movie, although most of them aren't really kind of good, but my favourite would be Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun. And uh, we also do movies adjacent to... Uh, video game. So Ready Player One, that was our like second episode. Yeah, second or third. We saw that yeah. at like, I think 10 o'clock in the morning and yeah. um, <laughs> it pretty much killed us. <laughs> um, cool, but you have, a, you have a video game movie you'd love to see though. Yeah, I actually, it, I actually just quickly thought of this, but maybe a m- movie adaptation of Portal. Oh yeah, have you seen that fan film? There's like, um, yeah, what's saw- it called? Like, no, it's got something porty. It's got cake or, or escape yeah. involved. Although, my idea, mm-hmm. and I would mostly, like, talk about the plot of it, would be a some someone who is, like, trapped in aperture science and just mm-hmm. trying to get out of the... trying to get out of the place. But, but, the, more, but the more that this person stays there... The person gets a bit more, del- a bit more diluted, and and it kind of get into like a bit of a psychological thing, mm. and start trying to like. There's yeah. there's that character. I mean, when you play, I mean, has everyone played Portal? Who knows it? Or well, in the game, of course, um, you discover evidence that somebody has been living there and has been trapped there. I think he's known as Rat. Is it Ratman? Ratman. Yeah. yeah. Ratman. That's the one. So. Although I was actually thinking of like someone that we didn't know, mm, like mm. a brand new character. A brand new character oh, who just, who just, I don't know, maybe waking up after like being mm. being there so long. In fact. Actually, nah, I don't think. Well, no, that's a good idea, though, because um, in, I think, Portal 2 and, I think, Portal 1, you get the impression that there's been many other test subjects, so you can really just pick a test subject and write yeah. a whole new story. and someone wakes up and, and trying to get out of the place and using a portal gun. Mm, and maybe there can be a bit of, like, flashbacks of, of like, of what he, what 
he used to be and that he was actually around in the mm. laboratory and maybe those can be like good ways to make him like remember and try to get out of the place. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of potential for not just the sort of psychological uh, sort of side to it, but also, of course, like, you know, action sequences or just, you know, mind-bending stuff with things flying different oh, places and, and traveling through. a bit of a additional thing. Maybe the person would have, like, a core that just talks to him and, and the person just gets annoyed by it. Yeah. Someone to bounce off. Cool. Well, no, thank you. I think so far everyone's got uh, a Poundland prize. Um, we've got a, a hand at the back, though. Um, I think I spoke to you earlier, but what was your name again, sir? Uh, Greg, hello. Greg, so, hello. Yeah, my favourite video game movie is the Naughty's classic Dead or Alive. It's amazing! Yeah. With the same disregard for Earth gravity as well. Yeah. We, well, we called it a masterpiece on the podcast. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you listen to that episode to have our... our lengthy discussion on the joys of dead or alive. Um, I think, I think to you might now. already have a copy. Um, so, yeah, so what is the movie you would like to see, though? Uh, the movie I would like to see is Call of Duty, but entirely in first person. 90 minutes, entirely in first person, mm. like Hardcore Henry. Yeah, Hardcore Henry is an interesting one. Mm. I think that could... That way of shooting can happen, but I think that film might not be so great. I mean, are you a fan of Hardcore Henry? Uh, I've watched a little bit, yeah, but just... A, a, a little bit was enough. Yeah. So what, what sort I of... Got the, I got the general concept. So Call of Duty, though, that's a swathe of time period. So is that... Am I thinking... There's well, there's different, there's different installments there's doing warfare. different things. Uh, so were you looking, are you looking at like the classic World War II, or are you looking at modern warfare? I would say... Modern Warfare, probably. It's good tie-tech weaponry. That would be pretty good. And um, who would play? <laughs> who would play this guy you never actually see? Who would be like a good a good voice actor, perhaps? Whose voices would you like I to mean, hear? It's, it's like Call of Duty is mute. <laughs> I see. Okay. Even when he gets shot, he takes it really well. He's like. I mean, you might nothing. he might have grunts. I don't know. We'll <laughs> we'll hash it out when it gets I mean, to casting. Call once once we got the studio backing. Call of Duty would make all the money in the world if it was a movie. So, you know, it would... Yeah, uh, just, just on sort of name recognition. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. Like, a lot of these... Sometimes when there's a video game movie, you wonder, why did anyone make a movie out of that? And then you think, well, it's because it was probably very cheap and there's enough people, you know, it's not necessarily a big-name title or, or something. But then there's really, really huge uh, franchises where it's... well it makes sense to make an adaptation out of that just because the name recognition alone is you're guaranteed weekend bots office regardless of... Mm. Um, As we're in Hollywood, um, we'd probably buy that idea um, just like we did with Warcraft and uh, put all money into that and uh, just about break even. So I think everyone would be happy. Um, we've got just a, a minute or two left. Is there yourself, sir, with the, with the kick-ass coat? What, was your, what is your name, sir? It's Jack. Jack. <laughs> So, I think my favourite video game movie is probably Rampage. Rampage was awesome. I had the most fun when watching it. Mm. It was it was really really fun. Uh, right, you're gonna have to bear bear with me with this one. Oh so no, I, I, I love I, it. Good I one to end th- on. <laughs> I had a little think about it, and I thought the best video game films. So the reason why I think Detective Pikachu is gonna be so good is because it's not the main story. Mm. It's not like 
the Pokemon movie. It's Detective Pikachu. It's at the side. Spin-off. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a spin-off. It's like, but yeah. it's like you would, you'd it's expect it to be Pokemon Red or Blue be the plot, but it's not. Yeah, and, and Rampage was good in my mind because it essentially just took... It made a plot itself, so it, it didn't, you know, just like... So everyone always says, like, doing... Uh, the Last of Us, but that is already a film, pretty much. Mm. It's mm. got a plot. Um, so my idea would be to do Rocket League. Okay, yeah. Nice. Yes. It's about uncovering the corruption within Rocket League, <laughs> oh. and it's a David Fincher film. Ah. Okay. I mean, he he's he recently was going to do uh, World War Z two, wasn't he? And then David Fincher he, he pulled out. So I don't think he's a uh, he's above a video game movie. So that was good. But less familiar with Rocket League than I think you are. Well, I mean, well, just uh, football with cars. Okay. And you get the sense. I mean, the, the gameplay is just a football game, but, you know, you're driving your car into a ball and trying to score a goal. But, you know, you, you have sort of elements of the outer world. You're not too sure. You have stadiums and crowds and all this kind of stuff, but you don't know necessarily too much about the inner workings mm. of a lead. So you can make just like a very sort of serious, sort of uncovering corruption sports drama, but in the background there's just really cool cars flying around with giant the, footballs. A proper sports movie, like a, <laughs> yeah, the little dog. Yeah, I dog. mean, just, I mean it, it should be the best baseball movie in the world, but I don't really know much about baseball or care too much about mm. baseball to go see it, but if there's cars and giant footballs, yeah. I mean, everyone likes football and everyone likes cars, apparently, so yeah, I yeah. think we've got a winner. Oh, right, sounds I good. think, though, that is all the time we have for the podcast today. Um, so if you've, um, if you've given us an idea, I mean, even the ones who haven't given us an idea can probably end up with a prize. We've got a bag full of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, if you want to catch the podcast, uh, we are uh, Games on Film Pod on most of the social medias, Games on Film Pod. Um, but you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify. Um, and if you've liked what you've heard, if you want to give us uh, a little skinny skinny, is that what the kids say? No idea. No. If you want to give us maybe a, a £3 coffee donation to help us buy more video game movies, then you can go to co-fi-coffee slash Games on Film Pod. Um, is there anything else you want to say? No, I think that's no. it. So we're, we're going to make all this uh, money off these video game movie pictures now. Thank yeah. you so Sorry, much. Sorry, now, now that it's recorded, it's, it's, it's copyright us. It's copyright us, yeah. <laughs> so um, special thanks to uh, whatever your names were. Um, I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Thanks, thanks very, very much. much. Bye. Enjoy your day. So there it is. That was our live episode at EGX Rest. Shall we just do a quick recap? Sure. So I started with uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I was kind of conscious that I was doing the populist choices and you kept quoting Japanese film directors. <laughs> but I think that's just how we are in real life. Well, maybe so. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's funny. We, I think we were a bit worried about uh, we've given each other five minutes each for a pitch, but we, we each found we could go on far longer. I, I mean, you, there's a few Zelda fan films out there. They're pretty good, but I don't think they've all answered the question of, of what do you do with a mostly silent protagonist. And then I pitched Bioshock, but I kind of cheated because I just pitched an already existing version of Bioshock, mm. the Gore Verbinski version that did not come to pass. I didn't mention in the live show because I didn't 
wasn't really time, but I was I was going to talk a little bit about how there is a moment without spoilers, a moment in the game which sort of reframes the narrative. Mm. I think some people think that's a stumbling block, and how can you possibly capture that on film? Because that moment speaks a lot to the actual idea of video games about the free will of playing a video game. But I think there's ways that can happen. I don't think necessarily it has to be fourth wall breaking, but if you're invested in a character and then the uh, rug gets pulled out from underneath mm. them, then there's a way you can make the audience also feel that at that point. And I can't really use other examples from films because that would be spoilery. But um, I think there's something which isn't spoilery, something like The Prestige, mm. where a character is reading a diary and it's been read to us in the voice of the character's diary, but then the character who is writing this addresses the character who is reading this within the diary, but you're hearing it in the narration. If that makes any sense, it's just a nice trick where it sort of suddenly makes it seem like this character is talking to you, the audience, and this other character. I, I don't know. There's just ways you can go about things which can make you go, ooh, that's interesting. The next film I pitched was... Donkey Kong. Oh, I became rather enamoured with this idea. And you had... Director was... Well, I didn't really decide a director, but then I felt uh, Michel Gondry would have would have that aesthetic I quite like. So um, when I first told you about this idea um, before recording live show, you said, let's not have too many joke ideas. <laughs> but the more I thought about this, the more I really wanted to see this this scenario play out... And there would be a sort of a bittersweet tragedy to it. And, um, and then I thought, who better to play Donkey Kong than Tommy Wiseau from The Room in a, in a dramatic role. But his interpretation of dramatic can, can be quite different than the reality. So, mm. Well, I then picked Hakaio, King of Crusher, which uh, is a very strange game. And I think would make a very strange film. But I like the idea of something on a big scale but done by an interesting directing team using practical effects as much as possible, but creating this illusion of something of a larger scale. Something like Colossal. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking. So, so an indie kaiju movie. Yeah, yeah. And that was an interesting film because it was trying to say something about, you know, something you wouldn't necessarily expect from the premise. And maybe because of Hakaio, King of Crusher is all about rage. Maybe it would have something to say about pressures in society but also it could have something to say about toxic masculinity or you know you could use it as just like most kaiju movies have a subtext to them yeah like radiation yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah that was my pitch not because i think it's probably is probably not a very good game at all in the slightest and brand name recognition is almost zero but I think just uh, some interesting people could take the idea and run with it. So we had some mini pictures as well. But it had uh, I was doing micro machines, which again I think visually would be a, a lot of fun to see little cars racing around breakfast tables. And I know I was cheating a bit. I know micro machines were toys before they were a game, but until the game, you, you didn't really see micro machines racing each other um, outside think, of your bedroom or something. I think you just imagine them as being regular sized cars, but it's just a toy size. Yes. As opposed to, no, this is the actual size of the vehicle and it's hmm. racing around the breakfast table. 
It's always the breakfast table, isn't it? It's always the breakfast table. Because that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> And then I did a small pitch about an F-Zero movie, but some sort of crazy, wacky version of it. But then we had some very good suggestions from the audience, thanks to everyone who uh, showed up and submitted a pitch. Probably now happily watching their Poundland prizes. Yeah, 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 yeah. They all walked away with copies of Dead or Alive and Need for Speed and... Um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world so yeah good haul all the copies of Resident Evil and Lara Croft Tomb Raider weren't taken at the end <laughs> yeah so now we've got got I don't know I've got pack. about three copies of Resident Evil 1 and mm. about three copies of Lara Croft Tomb Raider now it's uh, quantity not quality <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what, what I liked about the pictures were it wasn't just I want a straight adaptation necessarily of this game you know they were thinking of different ways to do these uh, existing properties rather than just here's a straight A to B story. They were thinking of form as well as narrative. Yes. Very good. Very good choices, intelligent choices, shows what a great audience that we have. So thanks again very much to our audience for their contributions and also extra special thanks to Tom at EGX for allowing us to host this panel in the first place, putting us on the lineup of the Fringe Theatre. And thanks as well to Joe and to Liam, who were great helps on the day with all their technical support and... Love. And love and appreciation. Mm. Um, We couldn't have done it without you guys, so thank you very much to you. So that wraps up our special 30th anniversary episode. (laughs) I don't know what we're going to do for our 40th. In the meantime, though, how can people keep in touch with uh, Games on Film? Well, you can find links to almost everything that I can possibly imagine on our website, which is gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast, or you can find it through tinyurl.com slash gofpod. We are on Facebook at Games on Film Pod, Twitter at Games on Film Pod, Instagram at Games on Film Pod, and you can find all episodes on soundcloud.com slash Games on Film Pod. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And if you do want to get in touch, you can always email us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. Harry, do you have anything to plug? Um, as usual, do a bit of stand-up, so just... Look for Harry Steele Comedian, I guess on Facebook or whatever. And I sound really enthused, don't I? <laughs> but yeah, I can perform quite regularly, so check me out. And do look up Gamer Disco on all the social media channels as well, as we host regular video game and music club nights and events in and around London. The music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Oh, and you can also support the podcast as well, either by giving us lovely five-star reviews on uh, Apple, or you can uh, donate to the podcast. You could buy us a coffee, or in this case, perhaps three video game movies from Poundland, <laughs> by uh, donating at kofi.com, which is ko-fi.com. So what's next? Next on the podcast. Next time. same same game time same game channel yes it's the film we've been looking forward to for a good long time i'll say my entire life it is coming to cinemas very soon it's detective pikachu pika pika so uh until then i've been harry i've been rory thanks for listening Bye bye bye